father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome to Episode 142. Today, we have Coach James Deacon, head boys basketball coach at Heritage Academy in Maricopa, Arizona. He's a PE coach and athletic director. James Deacon is a happy husband and proud father to an amazing son. He graduated from Heritage Academy Mesa in 2013. After graduation, he went on to be the boys' varsity basketball assistant coach and the junior varsity head coach for the 2013-14 school season. In 2014-15, Mr. Deacon was the boys' varsity basketball head coach at South Point High School, where they won the state championship against powerhouse program West Wind Prep, and James Deacon was awarded the Canyon Athletic Association Division III Coach of the Year Award. During this time, he also trained and privately coached a number of basketball players from the high school to the NCAA Division I level. From 2015 to 2019, James Deacon served in the United States Marine Corps. As an infantry rifleman, he served with the Black Hearts of Fox Company, 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. There he spent time as a fire team leader, assistant rifle squad leader, and team small unit leader, course instructor. In 2018, James Deacon was promoted as a non-commissioned officer. He did two deployments to Southeast Asia on the 31st MEU Marine Expeditary Unit. He's the head coach at Heritage Academy in Maricopa, Arizona. He's a state champion runner-ups last year, led all of high school basketball in points per game, broke Arizona record for three points made in a single game, 22, and team comprised of all sophomores and freshmen. And this was the school's first year in existence. Coaches, I think you're really going to like this. I actually picked James out uh, from... Uh, another coach, a friend of mine, uh, that teaches the system. So his team's averages over 97 points a game. Uh, he's a product of the Paul Westhead system and program, and uh, he's really going to talk about what he's doing out there in Arizona. This is the first year program that he has built, and it's unbelievable the success that he's having. So we're going to really pick his brain on what he does uh, with his system and scoring a lot of points, pressing, playing an aggressive style. So I'm really looking forward to picking the brain of James Deacon. James, welcome. All right, I think I'm in here. Hey, James, how are you, man? Good, how's it going? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Great, great. Hey, I know you're a long ways away, man. You're you're cross-country, man, in Arizona, man. That's a, that's a long ways off, man. I, but I, that's why I'm calling you, man, to pick your brain of uh, the great Arizona coaches out there. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I really love what you're doing. I, um, uh, I'm a big 
system guy, and I love what you're doing out there. And I know you're going to share with us all the things. I have a lot of system coaches that have been on here and that, that are coaching in the high school level. So uh, you're going to get a lot of people kind of contacting you. But, hey, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and tell us um, kind of where you grew up and how you kind of got started in the game. Yeah, so I actually – I grew up in Florida. Um, I was a big baseball guy all growing up, probably until my freshman year in high school, which is when I really started playing basketball. Um, and my dad, you know, he was the one that introduced me to the game. Then I moved to Arizona my senior year, like the summer right before. And I ended up going to a small school called Heritage Academy. I actually coach at um, Heritage now. But so at the time, um, I went to school there, and the team was, like, not very good at all. So the coach was really letting me have free reign to do whatever I want. And a lot of times the coach wouldn't even, like, get to practice on time. So I would start running all the practices. And um, – <laughs> I actually saw the guru of go the ESPN 30 for 30 for the first time that year. And I just remember watching him be like, yeah, that's the way to play basketball. Shoot every seven seconds. That's what I'm talking about. So I brought it to the coach and we installed some things from it, but not a bunch. Um, you know, they probably scored more that year than we'd ever scored before sixties and seventies. Um, so I did. So I graduated there and I had some injuries from, from schools to go play in college, but the first practice after the holiday break, I tore all the tendons in my left ankle. So like my season was done. My recruitment kind of went to a halt at that point. So, you know, I'd um, agreed to coach the JV the next year while I was, you know, rehabbing my foot. And, you know, I coached the JV and I installed just the fast break portion of the system um, for the varsity team the next year. And uh, they averaged about 70 and, you know, they had some kids who Never played varsity before. Ended up averaging like 25 points a game in the system. Looked like a superstar. <laughs> so then the next year, I went and I coached varsity at South Point High School in Phoenix. And I, you know, we did a lot of, um, we ran the old Havoc Press from Shaka Smart when he was at VCU. Sure. Yeah. So we did that, and then we combined that with the system um Paul Westhead's fast break I didn't really I didn't run the Grinnell stuff I ran I've always run the LMU break and you know we averaged 80 points a game in high school we won the state championship we beat then powerhouse program West Wind Prep uh which later on would pretty much become Hillcrest Prep um which is a nationally ranked program now so we beat them for the state championship I was coach of the year in Arizona I was 20 years old um and I was like you know what pretty much done everything I can do here and I went, I joined Marines. So did Marine Corps infantry. I was a squad leader there for four years. And I just got out this past summer, came right back into coaching. And Heritage called me because they had a new campus opening in a town about an hour from where I lived. And they're like, you, you want the program? I was like, yeah, I want the program. Absolutely. So I decided I was going to go all in. We we're going to run complete system stuff. So, I mean, I probably watched every bit of film that is available on that 8990 LMU team. And, you know, we installed it this year. We led the nation in scoring. We lost in the state championship, but we had a really good year. Um, we we're 20 and three. And I mean, we did that with all freshmen and sophomores. So. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and it seems like this things has happened quickly. You really adopted this style. Um, 
and most coaches, heck, I was still in college at 20, man. So you've done a lot. Um, you've done a lot in coaching pretty early, winning a state title. Uh, so you definitely had a, a knack for the game. Tell us about the people that have really been an influence on you. You have, I know Paul Westhead, but guys that are that are close to you, coaches that have had an influence on you and, and what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'd say the biggest one is the guy I kind of consider my mentor. His name's Lynn Ramage. He's an old East Coast guy. Um, he came out here and saw me my senior year and at like a showcase and just kind of took me under his wing and showing me stuff. And um, it's kind of like a second dad to me, really. But he coached college and high school, you know, at every level from high school all the way through Division One. and was a head coach. And so he'd been doing that for like 25 years or so. He's still out here in Arizona. Uh, but he showed me a lot, you know, he did a lot more like the old Carolina break stuff, mm-hmm. uh, just playing fast, like the old North Carolina teams. And then, so, you know, I took some teaching concepts and principles and I use a lot of his catchphrases and stuff and apply them to what we do. Uh, that's probably been the biggest influence on me just coaching wise, as far as, you know, the way he ran practices and that kind of thing. Um, but as far as the system, there there aren't a lot of actual system coaches, so I didn't I didn't really pick that much up for anybody outside of uh, Westhead. Yeah, I really want to introduce you to a lot of guys. Matter of fact, I had so many guys on my podcast um, um, that uh, run the system and so forth. Doug Porter, who's really a master, he he wrote the uh, system book that you you probably yeah. have. Um, matter of fact, you guys need to connect. I have a lot of coaches that would love to talk to you. Um, but are out in this area, they're out in the Midwest and, and so forth. But man, there's a lot of great college programs, small college. I don't see it run at the major level. And I, I, I have a feeling why, and I don't see it run at the high school level a lot. And I have a feeling why, because you're taking a chance, aren't you? Oh yeah. It's a, it's a huge risk, you know, because well, cause you have to understand the first thing is like, everything's doubled. So, I mean, we would go up by 20, and I would have people be like, hey, let's let's put the, you know, like the, our bottom guys in. We're up by 20. I was like, mm, let me get up by like 30 or 40 maybe. <laughs> by 20, I was like, dude, that's like being up by like six. You know, when you play this way, like your lead will come and go so fast if you stick to it. You know, I could have got up by 20 and then like, cool, we're just going to stall ball now and hold our lead. But I, I don't right. believe it. You know, I'm, I'm going to play the whole way. How are you going to teach your kids, like, hey, we play till the whistle blows unless we're winning. Then we're going to hold the ball, you know? It's just not the way I do things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's risky because when you lose, you usually lose pretty big. And then when you win, you sometimes you win close ones and sometimes you win real big. But it's really risky just mostly because as a coach, you're giving up a lot of your control. You have to have a very player-driven and player-initiated style of play. Um, so you have to give your guys a lot of leash, especially with a young team like we had this year. It's really risky. Um, I didn't do like a lot of system teams. They sub every 90 seconds or every minute or some, even every dead ball. We didn't do that. You know, I stuck to, I played my, my top eight, nine guys. Um, so it was more of a traditional rotation. Just the style of play was really, really fast and up tempo. So, but yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah, no doubt, Coach. And I, um, we're really going to have you break it down for us because we run, I coach girls. And, I mean, we we love the press. We love – actually, we're, we shoot a lot of threes. Now, right now, we're not at the point where we're making a lot. But, man, we take 30-plus threes 
a game. So, but we we also had a young team too. So, it takes time to kind of build those shooters, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would structure our practices. We always we our first hour is always player development. Always, we never just like jump right into oh we had a big game, got to work on this. Nope, we always do our player development. So every day our players make at least a hundred jump shots. Um, at least based on the way we structure the player development stuff. If it's, if it's a game day, I might have them make like 200 just to really kind of groove out their shot that day. It just kind of depends, but always making about a hundred in practice each. Yeah. I love that. Hey, tell us about you're in the, most coaches don't do, don't do what you did. I didn't go in the Marines. (laughs) I probably need to. Right. But Hey, tell us about how your experience in the Marines shape what you're doing now as a coach. I think the biggest thing I learned in the Marines was to stop being so dang nice. I wasn't like, I wouldn't say that players walked all over me, but I was a little more um, influential, like, or able to be influenced by, you know, maybe parents or administration or other coaches, you know, as far as what we were doing. Sure. Um, You know, just, I was a young coach. Um, When you get into the Marine Corps, you learn this like really cool method of, my way or the highway and by the highway, I mean, doing push-ups to your arm fall off or running up a mountain or something else ridiculous. Right. And so it was just, I learned a lot leadership wise. Um, you get a really good feel when you're in the Marine Corps for when guys are feeding UBS and when they're actually injured or hurt or there is an actual issue. Um, you get a pretty good feel for that because you encounter it so much. And you're just you're thrown into leadership immediately, especially if you're solid. Like if you're pretty well put together Marine, like you're going to end up in leadership positions really quickly, um, which is kind of what happened with me. So I just got a lot of leadership experience in general with different types of people and personalities and things. And, um, you know, I was able to apply that. And then, you know, I learned some fun games for conditioning and that kind of stuff. You know, um, it was funny because I write home, you know, I, I'd always intended to go back into coaching after the Marine Corps. So when we were getting like tortured in boot camp, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm saving this for somebody one day. Like <laughs> we're not going to run 17. Sure. I got plenty of games outside of running 17s for boys. Like, <laughs> Right. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and tell me, um, you probably see, I guess the Marines, man, you're right though. It definitely, definitely teaches you how to lead and how to become men and so forth. And that's what you're doing in your program right now, man. You have to influence even though you're you're a young guy, you have to influence these young guys to be men eventually, right? Yeah, and you know, especially with a young team too. Like we didn't have any seniors, we didn't have any juniors. Like we didn't have any upperclassmen leadership. <laughs> so you know, I had it was a kind of uh, putting these young kids in leadership positions and teaching them communicate and teaching them how to actually like you know reach out to their buddy and get them to buy into the team concept and everything else we were doing. So I think it was good. I got, you know, leadership experience, um, building leaders, you know, as a squad leader, I had to build team leaders in the Marine Corps. And as right. a young coach, I was able to kind of build team captains and team leaders with freshmen and sophomores. And, you know, we did pretty well with it. Yeah. And, and of course, right now you don't let the parents, uh, you know, kind of give you a hard, t- and that's key to coaching. You have to stand, particularly what you're doing right now, James, you have to stand by your principles, man, because you're doing something that's different, right? Oh, yeah. And it's it's just going to be even more different next year. 
So, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you got quite a team coming back, man. It sounds like mm-hmm. you're. You know, tell us about your program because it's amazing what it's the first year and now you're going to be playing a national schedule. Man, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, it, Arizona gets really overlooked when it comes to players getting recruited. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the basis of my program and my coaching is helping kids get to the next level because I was the kid that was like, I didn't have trainers or I didn't play AAU or any of that stuff. So I just, I didn't know, like I had no idea how to get recruited. And I mean, I remember going into my senior year, I think I sent out like 275 emails to different schools, right. level, you know? Um, so when I started coaching, I was like, I want to help kids get to the next level. Cause I thought it was really frustrating as a player when I was like, man, like I want to be able to really showcase what I can do. But the offense just called for me to do one or two things. And that's part of why I run this system is I think it lets everybody showcase what they're best at and magnifies it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you look at Lonzo Ball when he's with the Lakers compared to Lonzo Ball when he's running the floor with the Pelicans, two different sure. players completely. Yeah. Um, and I think playing fast, one, I think it lets players get really, really good at decision making um, and just developing a feel for the game. Two, I think it lets players make highlight plays that catch college coaches' attention because at the end of the day, college coaches like highlight plays. Like, it's going to get them to at least look at you. And then they'll nitpick, you know, the technicalities of your game from that point. And I think it lets guys play loose. I hated playing scared. And it wasn't even scared of my performance. It was, like, scared, like, am I allowed to shoot this shot? I mean, it's wide open, but really early in the offense. Maybe I shouldn't shoot this one. Oh, I don't, I don't even have the shot available anymore. Uh, time's gone, you know? So I was, my whole thing is I was like, Nick, man, you guys are never going to be more open than when you catch it. If you like the shot, take it. I'm never going to pull you for a shot, you know? And uh, that was kind of what I approached. And our guys did well. They did better than they did at their previous programs just because they didn't have any fear. There was no fear of making a mistake. You know, I was like, make mistakes. You'll learn from them. If you never make a mistake, then you're never learning. You're not going to grow. So that was kind of why I chose to run the system. So, you know, that brings us back to wanting to get kids recruited and scouted. And I didn't feel like it could happen at, to the best level possible um, playing local state competition. Um, look at all the top players. They're all going to programs, playing in the grind session. And you have coaches and college coaches want to recruit kids that are playing national competition because then when they get them, it's not like they're getting a freshman. They're getting like a freshman and a half or almost a sophomore as far as experience. Right. Wise, you sure. know? So for me, I was like, I, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it the whole way. Let's, let's play a national mm-hmm. schedule. Let's go up against the best. Let's bring in the best players and let's actually build a legit program. That's, you know, worth mentioning. So, and that really takes the glory away from, from me as a coach, you know, so I'm not doing this for me because I'm not going to have state titles to, you know, flaunt around anymore. Like I have 12 state titles. Like, no, I'm probably going to finish my career with the one I got because we're not going to play for state title. We're playing on a national schedule now. So, um, you know, that was, that was the motivation behind it was no better time than the president. And let's, let's do it. Let's play the best. Yeah, and let's uh, let's really get into your system. Um, give us some of your your system goals. Give us uh, kind of your philosophy of running it. 
and then get right into, if you could, kind of share with us, you know, what you do on the offensive side. But first of all, just talk about your philosophy of the system, which you already have, but give us some of your kind of your game goals. Uh, what, are, what are some of your objectives in the system? So objectives-wise, we used the basic blueprint for the system, which is, you know, we want to do that 120 trips. We want to mm-hmm. take 90 shots. We want half of them to be threes. We want to get 30% of the offensive rebounds. You know, we want to get as many steals as possible. I think we tried to get – I think our goal was like 18 steals a game. I think we were right around that. We might have even right. been a little bit – as far as total turnovers, we were definitely, you know, plus 20, 25. Steals, I think we were around 17 or something like that. Um, so, you know, those were kind of the goals for us. Um, and the philosophy really is space and pace. You know, don't crowd each other. Keep your spacing. Play fast and play basketball like – so we, we do everything is based off of players making reads. We don't really have any set rules per se um, in what we do. Yeah. Talk about your offense a little bit, because I, for what I know of system coaches, there's limited offense because you're, you are trying to space. Do you try to get, uh, you're looking for a, a quick shot within seven seconds, little dribble drive, driving kick. So how, Comp- complex is your offense I'm assuming it's not because you get allowing kids to make plays right yeah so it's not real complex we you know everything is based off of spacing and we we will post early in the offense like off the first pass we'll flash to a post up but outside that it post goes opposite the ball and then so we use some of the principles from the dribble drive um as far as the kick out and the kick up in the drop zones. Right. But what we don't do is we don't pass and cut. Like I don't want a lot of cutting. And the reason is it cuts off driving lanes. I think it's actually slower than just kind of replacing or refilling. And I don't like when I watch a motion offense and it turns into like a circle or a figure eight, just constantly going on through the court. I want everything to be very unpredictable, unscoutable. So what we do offensively, once we get into, well, I guess what you could call a motion, we, we still shoot it pretty quick for it to be considered a motion. But it's really um, more of what Coach K and what Coach Bobby Knight used to run back at Indiana. So we, when we make a pass, we want to go set a screen. I don't care what screen you set, but you got to go screen away. So whether you're setting a flex screen for a big down low to flash to the ball or you're setting a pin down screen for a shooter on the other side, you got to set a screen. And then we always open to the ball, and when we set our screens, we set that screen, you open up to the ball just in case because a lot of times that guy who sets the screen is actually usually the one that ends up more open. Um, and, you know, we're looking for skip passes because those tend, generally tend to be where we get a lot of our open threes is on skip passes and, you know, drive and space and everything else. So for us it's about make the right basketball play. Don't play selfishly. Keep your spacing set screens for each other, which is the most unselfish thing you can do in basketball, really, aside from sprinting for your teammate. And then just make good reads, make the right basketball play. If you drive and help side comes over, rather than trying to split the double team, dump it off or kick it out to the guy that's wide open. Like that's the better basketball play. So again, it's all about teaching kids how to play rather than teaching them plays. Right. Are you trying to get off, um, are you trying to get off a shot within a certain time period? I, I guess, what are you not wanting? I'm sure you're wanting a shot, even if it's a bad shot. 
Um, do you want, I'm sure you don't want time elapsing on the court because that lessens your opportunity, correct? To take, get another shot. Um, so we're looking for a good shot in seven seconds. And then we're looking for an acceptable shot in 12. And then we'll probably create something off the bounce at that point if we don't have anything at that point. Right. Um, you know, we can generally get a pretty good look in seven seconds if everybody sprints. And then after that, um, you know, we might go into one or two passes or screens, and then we usually get a good shot within 12. I don't think we have really had a possession that went longer than 12 seconds. Um, <laughs> sure. And then for us, we, we focus a lot more def on defense to generate offense for us than the other way around. Um, we didn't focus that much on our offense because I wasn't like offense to come from spacing and running hard and creating turnovers. So we focused a lot more on defense than we did offense. Yeah. And talk about your defense though. So obviously you're, that's creating your offensive possessions. Um, are you constantly trying to man, uh, uh, man to man or zone pressure, pressing, trapping uh, on wherever the ball is. I mean, you're trying to get that ball back quick, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. We want to get the ball back as fast as possible. I'm, I am okay with a kid getting burned. If he's making a play for a steal, that's just my philosophy. Again, don't be scared. Go make plays. So we, we play for the steal rather than just for a stop. And our goal is steal the ball or make them shoot a 17 footer. If we made them shoot 17 footers the whole game, I'm hundred percent okay with that. So right. Our general philosophy is we're looking to trap and double team laterally or from behind. And then everybody rotates so that we always protect the rim. That's one thing that's a little bit different with us compared to other system teams is we, we, we do want to protect the rim still. I'm not trying to just let teams run up for wide open layups or dunks. Because right. I believe when you start playing at the higher level, um, I don't think you – can win like if you just let Kentucky dunk it every single time like I don't care how many threes you shoot you're probably not going to win because that that's just such a high level of athlete and ability to finish plays at that point right um so we're not we're not just giving them a free layup but we are going to leave the furthest guy from the ball we're going to leave him open so we're going to make them throw that double or triple gap skip pass and then we'll try to recover and rotate from there but we're always going for that steal and uh looking to double team so we always pick up full court, um, always, especially off of made baskets. So when we press, we actually – so we don't cover the guy inbounding the ball at all, ever, which is a little different. Um, sure. Most people like to put some kind of pressure or put, like, a guy, really long guy there for length to make it a harder pass. My philosophy is he's not hurting me. He can't get open. Like, that guy's – all he can do is throw it in. If you really want to make it hard for him to inbound the ball, don't let anybody get open. So we will face guard back to the baseline, denying everybody. And then whoever's guarding the inbounder will actually have him floating. So if they try to throw that baseball pass, that's what he's going to get. So it's usually one of our guys that's better at anticipating passes. Um, kind of like a safety, a traditional safety you might see other system teams run. And then if he's not getting a baseball pass, his next primary job is don't let them just get a fast break layup. Make them shoot a three in transition or make them shoot that floater or that pull-up jump shot in transition. Um, we want other teams to play transition and play fast still. 
so it feeds into our game. Um, but yeah, we're applying as much pressure as possible, and then we, we trap all over the court. We trap pretty much everything. Yeah, I love that. And I um, and this is where I want to pick your brain at. Uh, you said you only use eight or nine, and like my team that I have, we're at a small school, probably similar to yours. Um, our biggest problem is is fouls and depth. So we can't go five in, five out. So we're probably very similar to you. I'm sure you have better players than me, but um, do you have a problem with fouls and your depth? Because that's a hard, that's a hard system to play with only eight players, right? Yeah, it is. And I had a couple of games where my big got in foul trouble early and we would have to play with like five or six. So <laughs> that made it tough. Um it's hard, but it's also good for the boys if they get in shape. So they have sure. a pretty strenuous um, conditioning program we did in the blazing 120-degree Arizona sun, but it paid off. <laughs> so um, we do we do a lot of conditioning, and we do a lot of a lot of full-court scrimmaging. We just have strict rules about having to play our way when we scrimmage. We're not just having a layup contest. We're not cherry-picking, all that kind of stuff. We make them play hard scrimmages full court to get conditioning um so you know we do everything we can to get them to and as as elite a level of conditioning as we can get them to and then you know we, we rotate accordingly one of the things that helped me a lot was i did what i refer to as my one for two subbing so best way i can explain that is high school basketball Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. You know, we play eight-minute quarters. So okay. usually you've got your – I'll just use the guards as an example. I got my point guard, I got my shooting guard, and usually somewhere in there you got a combo guard or a kid who could play the one or the two, right? So I'll start – I'll have starter one, starter two, and reserve one on the bench. We'll go until probably the five-minute mark. So from eight minutes to five minutes, I got my starters out there. Then okay. I'll put in reserve one for starter two. So now I've got reserve one and starter one on the floor, starter two on the bench. And that will go for about three minutes. So now I've gone from the five-minute to the two-minute mark. Um, it might only go two minutes, but usually it's about three minutes. So then I go from the five minute to the two minute mark, and then I plug starter two back in for starter one. So now I've got starter two and reserve one on the floor and starter one on the bench. So now I've kind of kept it to this little three man rotation of players where my players don't feel like they really sat that long because they're only going to sit two or three minutes at a time, but I'm constantly keeping some fresh legs out on the court. So they usually play five my, – my best players will play five to six minutes per quarter. Um, and then at the same token, now my reserve player, he also just played five or six minutes in the quarter. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that rotation right there. And it's, um, yeah, because you know the biggest, uh, my, probably my biggest weakness is I play my top, my top player and my, my second best player. I play them way too many minutes. I'm talking about, you know, 28, 29, 30 minutes. That's a big, but sometimes I have to do that. But uh, particularly if you don't have the depth, you probably have a little more depth than I do. But that's that's the key to your program, right? Developing players so you can get an eight, nine, ten man rotation. Yeah, everything we do focuses on skill and player development and player performance. You know, everything we do is geared toward players performing at a higher level um, and being able to kind of showcase what they're good at. Yeah, I love that. And talk about your practice. Talk about your player development because um, there's a lot of great drills out there for the system. Tell me what you do to develop your players. So I actually, so my background was initially in as like a skills trainer per se. Like I got the first kid I started training, I was 17. He had got caught, got cut from his eighth grade team. So he trained with me through the whole summer. And then he started varsity for four years after that at a really good high school in Florida. Um, okay. So I kind of got started on the skill development on that end. And I just, I got really, 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 really in depth on skill development stuff, really detailed stuff and not a lot of gimmicky things, just, you know, good old, really we're focused on, on fundamentals and then we get into more advanced skill footwork and that kind of thing. But, um, and I was always a good shooter. So I really got a good knack for breaking down jump shots and tweaking them and fixing them, making them smoother, that kind of thing. So, you know, I started getting more and more high school, college, some low level pro guys training with me. So I really got pretty good at that side of the game as I was also coaching, you know, and learning X's and O's at the same time. And that was, you know, still through high school and, um, you know, I was 19, 20, 21 years old. So then I took that same kind of approach and I would apply it to my, my teams. And, you know, I'll have my guards over here and they're going through a specific workout. My bigs over here are going through specific things. And we spend time, you know, like I show them the footwork and we walk through it and we, we really do like skill development, like they're, you know, paying for group training sessions almost. And that's the first hour of our practices or at least 45 minutes. Um, everybody does ball handling. We do skill specific work based on position. And then we'll do general skills. That everybody needs like shooting the basketball and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, we, we always start with ball handling. It's about 15 minutes right there. Um, gets everybody loose and warm. Then we'll go into whatever position stuff we're doing that day. So it might be pick and roll reads. It might be moving without the ball. So reading screens, knowing when to curl, when to flare, uh, when to come off clean, that kind of thing. Uh, it might be post-up moves. Everybody's got to be able to post up at some point, including point guards. Um, and then we'll go into, after we're done with position skill work, then we'll go into more team skill work, which might be um, usually it's shooting for us. So, you know, I've got a shooting workout and they, they go to it and we, put a timer on the clock and I'm like, hope you finish in time, you know, and uh, they go to work on that. So usually we want them to make a hundred shots within that skill development hour. Um, so that's kind of what we do on the skill side. And then everything we do, we always try to go as little bones versus cones as possible. You know, we want bones, bones on bones, players versus players when they're doing things. So, you know, right. if, we're, if we're working on pin down screens, like I'm actually going to have four players out there 
one passer, one screener, a defender, and a guy who's using the screen. So I want them to get live looks reading a screen. Like, know when you're open. Know when you're actually not. Um, we try not to use chairs and cones if we don't have to. If we're doing pick and roll stuff, we're actually going to have somebody screening and rolling. We're going to have somebody playing defense so you learn how to actually run someone off a screen. Because how many times do you teach a kid to run off a screen and then in the games, mm. you're running like six feet away from their screen? <laughs> exactly. All sure. You know, it's crazy. So we, we want them to get as many live reads as possible. So uh, that that's a big piece with our skill development, I think, is, is that we do really, really, really focus on live reads, live action, live application of everything we do. Coach, tell me, because I always, I, I'm just a big believer that there's a lot of shooting technique being taught out there, but I, the more I watch a lot of kids, I just don't see good footwork. Uh, and we, we're very specific on how our shooters shoot. We do everything off the hop because at, at the girls' level, I feel like it's quicker for girls. And then everything is off of that, so we do a lot of progression technique drills. Um, how are you? Are, are you focusing on three-point shooting or you're getting your technique done starting you know, a little closer to the rim? How are you teaching shooting in your system? So if I'm say if I'm there are days that I dedicate strictly to shooting at the beginning of the year um, or definitely in the summer when we try to really improve guys shots. So we definitely we always start up close, do our one hand shooting. Um, you know, we'll go from the block off the backboard, one hand ball's got to hit the backboard on the way down. We want to try to make that ball go through the net. No brand. We take the old sniper adage, aim small, miss small. So like we generally don't count makes. We generally count makes in a row. So at least right. two in a row, preferably, you know, with the higher level guys, like if I'm working someone out one-on-one, then, you know, if we're shooting in the mid range, it's seven or 10 in a row usually. And for shooting threes, it's three to five in a row, you know, depending on the player, just because you, you're trying to build consistency. So you got to practice being consistent, you know? And so when a player makes, you know, three sets of three in a row, he's probably actually made like, 15 or 20 shots by this point, unless he's a really high level kid, you know? Um, and then as far as the technique, like I'm kind of old school with it, man. Like your guide hand is not affecting the ball. It's straight up or, you know, maybe slightly toward the, the rim, but everything goes toward the rim, elbow tight. We're underneath the ball, palm facing the rim, good wrist snap, your legs and your wrist, they work together. Shooting a good high arc and shot, good backspin and rotation, having good fundamentals. Um, and you know, we usually start with some mid range stuff and then we go into a lot of three point shooting. Um, if you, I, I feel like if you can shoot threes, you can shoot mid range shots. It's just a matter of getting the reps in. I don't think the technique changes that much or it shouldn't at least. Um, so you're allowing, are you at mid range? Cause I, I didn't know if you focus on layups and threes, like a lot of teams try to do nowadays. Nope. Are you allowing your kids to pull up, which I do. I believe in the pull up. Yeah. I, so maybe I'm old school. I'm huge, <laughs> I teach all the time. And I think that's one of the things that made my little point guard so good. Like he understands come off, pick and roll, open elbow, jump shot, hit it. Cause I think if you're a good mid range shooter, that's almost a layup for a lot of kids. Like his mid range percentage was crazy high. And I think it is for most kids that practice that shot and take it. So the other thing too is, again, I'm not coaching to get me a bunch of wins. I'm coaching to move kids to the next level. So kids need to be able to show what they're good at. If you're a good mid-range shooter, take mid-range shots. You know, if you can get to the elbow, bump the dude, hit a step back from 15 feet, do it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in mid-range. Like Jordan, every great scorer 
lived on the kill box, you know, blocks and elbows. So I don't know why I, right. I would change that philosophy. Points per possession, I, I think it works out in the end of the day just because I think, um, you know, your mid-range percentage is going to be a little higher than your three-point percentage, not quite as high as your layups. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to put – again, I don't want restrictions on players. I want to teach them what good shots are, but I'm not going to tell a kid, don't take that free throw line jump shot. Like, it's a good shot, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, hey, I only have a couple questions for you because I know you probably got to get on the road pretty soon. No, but tell me, tell me, um, you, you guys, you guys. First of all, you won a state championship, and last year I think you guys were runner-up, correct, James, um, yeah. in the state championship. How, if you're scoring now, how did this team compete with you guys? I mean, if you guys were scoring ninety, was it a something you just had an off shooting night? What are some things that you can correct from your system? So they beat up. Well, they were actually a running team too. We were the fastest team in the country. They were the second fastest team in the state. So, I mean, they were in the 80 <laughs> mid eighties range. So they, they could go. Right. Um, and they were a much older team, you know, juniors and seniors, not sophomores. Sure. And I, I'm a big, I firmly believe like what got us in that state credit, all credit to them, to Santan charter. Great job. You guys, you know, you're in that state championship game, but I think our, our youth and maturity was what hurt us. You saw players trying to do things that they didn't do all year, you know, like big stage, big lights. And all of a sudden, all the things we did all year, guys weren't doing them, you know, guys who who sprinted the floor were trying to isolate guys who, you know, they, they were spot up shooters. They were trying to drive on double teams, just different things. You know, the biggest thing though, honestly, that was the only game all year we didn't run. Like, my point guard would sprint and he was beating three of my five guys up the floor. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. That never happened. That can't happen on a system team. And that, that was why we lost. We did not run the floor hard because, you know, we, we played a, our worst game of the year. You know, I did an exhibition in the preseason with a national grind session prep team. We scored more points against that team than we did in the state championship game. Because we actually ran against that team, they were just way better than us. Say championship game, we just didn't run. There was it was just wasn't there. Like nobody was really locked in that day, I guess. You know, and I'm not blaming the players. I think a lot of that was due to the preparation and what I did in practices. I think I took my foot off the gas a little bit because I was a little concerned with fatigue being an issue, and that was that's on me. And I think I should have made a couple different calls in the game as far as what guys I put in and that kind of thing. And yeah, I'll take the blame on that loss and the way that I prepared the team for that one. But uh, the reason they beat us is that they were a running team. We were a running team. They ran that day, and we didn't run. That's a great point because I, 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 I speak to a lot of state state coaches this year that have been in championship games. Some have won. Of course, you know, with this year, it's been crazy. I guess you all finished your season. A lot of them did not never finish their season because of the virus. So I'm assuming you guys finished. Yeah, we did. Uh, the virus and everything got shut down like two weeks after our state title game. <laughs> Man, um, but I love the transparency. I love how you're, you're honest with what happened. So really, the, you get to the tournament game. Is it more mental than it is physical? You know, I didn't used to think so. 
I used to be like, ah, playoff experience, like whatever. It's not that big a deal. Like players are players. I'm a little bit more of a believer in that now just because I saw it. Like I really saw like guys just being shaky, guys who are solid ball handlers dribbling off their foot four or five times in the same quarter. <laughs> you know, just like yeah. the craziest things you're like, oh, my gosh. Like who who gave the JV team all the jerseys? Like what is going on here? You know, like just <laughs> sure. where are my savvy players, my guards that were scoring hundreds of points every game, you know? That, that was what it felt like. Like we just weren't there. And again, part of that was on the way I, that we prepared and that's on me as the coach and everything else. But yeah, I, I do. I think that experience, I think the maturity, I think that makes a big difference, which is actually exciting for me because I've got such a strong group right now and they're going to be together for the next two to three years. So they're going to have like the ultimate experience because they're going to have three or four years of like all these guys are going to have two, three, four years of varsity. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like to me, you're probably showing them that game over and over. <laughs> I'm sure, right? I mean, I'm sure that it, you guys are going to be hungry next year because you fell down in the state tournament game. Sometimes you got to get knocked down to get up, right, James? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, even though we're playing a national schedule, like I still call the coach in a state championship game. And I was like, because they moved into a different league. Um, there's two state associations in Arizona. There's a Canyon Athletic Association we play in which allows us to do a national schedule and that kind of thing. And then there's the sure. um, Arizona Interscholastic Athletics or, yeah, association. And um, that's the AIA, and that's where all the bigger schools are and stuff. So the school that just won the state championship against us, they actually moved to the AIA next year. So I actually hit the coach. I was like, hey, we got we to gotta play in the preseason. Like, I got to give these boys one more shot at you guys before we start playing our national schedule. He's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We always want to play really good teams. So, you know, we'll get we'll get a little shot at them uh, again before we move into our national schedule. So, but yeah, yeah absolutely. It's yeah. A, yeah, I do. I believe it's hard to go undefeated. And I, I almost don't know if it's good to go undefeated personally. If you're going undefeated, you, there, there was probably something wrong with your schedule. Like there's a reason. That yeah. They <laughs> like there's a reason only one college team's ever gone undefeated and won the tournament. You know, like you have to be an incredible level dominant to do that yeah and just add to that pressure I, I know there's some teams out here in georgia you i'm sure you'll be playing i know so there's some great uh tournaments out here and uh in the atlanta area you're heck your guys will probably be out here fairly soon it sounds like um but where are you guys playing to give me an example i was looking on uh on your twitter account give me give me a little sample of who you guys are playing next year are you playing the big boys like you know, Finley Prep, those type of schools, or who y'all playing? So uh, right now, I think per strength of schedule, we actually have one of, if not the toughest strength of schedules right now on the whole West Coast. So we will play Hillcrest Prep, who is top ten in the country preseason. They were top ten last year. We will play Wasatch Academy from Utah, and that game will be insane because they were the only team that like we outscored in the country last year. Like the, or we were, we were the only team to outscore them in the country last year. They were at like 94 points per game. And nice. yeah, so that'll be an exciting game. They were number two in the country last year. They're top preseason top 10 this year. We'll play Impact Academy from Vegas. We'll play Dream City Christian. Mm -hmm. We'll play Phoenix Prep. Uh, there was a both grind session playoff teams. You know, we're trying to, we'll, when it's all said and done, I think we'll play all the preps here in Arizona that are grind session programs. So that'd be like Compass Prep, Bella Vista, TaylorMade. Um, We'll play those guys. We played Balboa School in San Diego – or not in San Diego. 
in um, Southern Cal. Um, DeAndre Ayton was actually there for a while before he went to Hillcrest Prep. So, you know, we're playing those. We're going to go play in the Rancho Mirage Tournament in December. We're playing in Tarkanian Classic in December. We're going to go play um, the Attitude is Free Classic, which is a big prep event here in Arizona. Uh, we got a pretty tough schedule. You know, we'll play anybody. I was trying to get um, IMG, La Lumiere, Oak Hill to come out to Arizona yeah. this year. And most of their schedules were full for this year, but we will probably get all of them next year. So we will probably do, um, based on some of the fundraising and type things we do with the funds, we will probably do an East Coast tour next year, and we'll probably go through Florida, play, try to play, uh, you know, Montbird and all those big schools if we can get that. IMG, and then we'll try to go through, um, hopefully we can get, you know, O'Kill or Lalu on there next year as well, you know. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, record saver. I'm not one of the guys that's like, I'm going to play like two or three tough games and then we're going to blow through. Like, go look at some prep team schedules. They play some whack teams sometimes just to <laughs> beef that record up. And, th- and that's right, sure. Like, I, under- I understand it. Like, you, you're going to risk your bid for a Geico if you lose more than three games. Um, but again, I'm not here. I mean, I want that national ranking and a national title as much as anybody. But if I never win a national title, but every year, all of my seniors get college scholarships. It's worth it to me in the end. So for me, I want to play the best every time. If I could play 10 games a year, but all 10 were top 10 nationally teams, perfect. That's the kind of schedule I want to play. Yeah, and you have your priorities, it sounds like. Um, you know, hopefully you get both. But it sounds like, to me, you're really producing some really good players out there. Now, one is your brother. Is that correct? Is he coming back? Yeah, yeah, it's- one is my yeah, yeah. Tell us about him. How, how do you coach your brother, man? <laughs> not riding home in the same car. That's how. Uh, oh, I hear you. Nah, uh, he, he's incredible, dude. Like that kid is. He is going to be a absolute stud his senior year. Um, I really, ex- you know, he's with a really, really, really good AAU program out here. Probably one, of the, probably the best program in the state. Um, Arizona Select. Their director, John Ortega, is freaking phenomenal. They play on the Under Armour Rise circuit. Um, so he's playing AU with them and, you know, with J.O. helping his recruitment. And then, you know, the schedule he's going to play with us, he's he's going to open some guys' eyes up for real. But, I mean, he was a sophomore last year. First team All-State, 26 points, almost seven assists, six rebounds, four steals a game. Like, kid can just go. And he led the state in charges. So – He's a beast. And, man, I remember when I was a – so there's a 10-year gap between us. That's so much older than him I am. I remember yeah. being a senior in high school. Nope, maybe I was a little younger than that. I might have been a junior in high school. So I was like 17. So he's like seven years old, eight years old. And I'm 17 or 18. And, um, you know, I used to – in the front yard, I was doing two-ball drills with the cones and zigzagging and layups and jump shots and step backs, all this stuff, right? And I, I remember sleeping in on a Saturday one day, and I, I hear some balls bouncing. I was like, I wonder if my buddies are using my hoop. Because I'd saved up money and, you know, split the cost with my parents. I got one of those big old gorilla hoops, you know, with the glass back yeah. and all that. And I installed it. Nice. I had to plant the concrete, and they made me do the whole thing, but it was awesome. So I was like, oh, I wonder if some of my buddies are in my driveway, you know, using my hoop. That's cool. I'll go out and, you know, shoot it up with them. So I go outside, 
And my seven-year-old brother has taken the cones, set them in a line, and is doing two ball dribbles, zigzagging and crossing over. <laughs> I did not teach him how to do it. He just figured it out watching me. And at that yeah, point, yeah. it's like, you know, and here comes me. I'm like, oh, yep. That's the, we we got a stud here. Like, this kid's going to be really, really good if he falls in love with the game. So, you know, I worked with him. I started training him when he was eight, nine years old, you know. And uh, I remember when he was 10, I was coaching him on a little city team. He's shooting 25, 30 footers with form at like 10 years old. <laughs> like just yeah, yeah. in it. And uh, then his, his buddies, you know, started getting on him about shot too much. So then he just became, you know, assist Lord Supreme because he was trying to make sure all his buddies got shots. So he got really, yeah. really good at setting other people up. And, you know, then he went to a pretty good school out here um, his freshman year while I was still in the Marine Corps. And the plan was for him to stay there because the coach there was pretty well known. And he was like, man, it's just not what you think. He's like, it's pretty restrictive. You know, he's even telling some kids, you're not going to play for me unless you go to 6'5 and all these other things. And he just wasn't – he just really felt like he was playing with handcuffs on. You know, so I was like, I can't be that bad, dude. You got to learn how to play in a system. Like, I'm going to go watch. So I was in town on leave, and I went to a game, and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, y'all need to loosen up. Like, that kid could be saving your program right now, like, on the freshman team. Like, he was on the freshman team, and I was like, I, I think he's good enough to be coming off the bench on your varsity. Like, that's how good I think the kid is. And everybody's like, you know, you're just favoritizing because it's your little brother. I was like, I'm telling you guys, skate can play. So then he comes over to play for me, and 26 points a game, scores 40 points against, you know, one of the better teams in the area. And, blowing up and it's going to go play with the Arizona select and all this other stuff. And now everybody's like, Oh yeah, he made a lot of improvements. Like I'm telling you guys, stop putting clamps on kids, let kids play. Like kids are better than you give them credit for, but he's, he is phenomenal. He's going to be really, really, really good. Yeah. He, he just followed in your footsteps. Right, man. I mean, it's hard. It's hard when an older brother, cause I, I'm the youngest brother too. So it's hard when the older brother now, is seeing the younger brother almost, yeah, I'm sure he's he's surpassing the older brother's talent, right? But you're proud of that, which is really cool, and you're coaching it. So I, I, that says a lot about you, man, that you can still coach him up. He still listens to you. But, man, it sounds like he's got a big upside. Yeah, his upside's huge. He's starting to get more athletic and stuff. Got his first dunk the other day. So, <laughs> But he's driven. That's the thing, you know. Like he, uh, I remember we, we were recruiting a kid because – national program like you recruit players that's that's part of the game plus i'm i'm an advocate for i think high schools should recruit and i think kids should be able to lead programs if they're not happy there but that's a whole other story but uh <laughs> so I, I was talking to this point guard he's like you coach you bro you're gonna bring in another point guard i was like maybe he's like am i not starting next year i was like that's up to you isn't it if this kid outplays you no you're not starting next year and like i'm just very blunt with him, man. Like you're going to earn everything you get. Same as everybody else. And he's already really good. Like he was like, I was just first team all state. And you're looking at another kid that might start over me. I was like, yeah. So, you know, he, he's done the work and bought in to stay ahead of, and you know, the other guys in his class and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I love to see that. Like, cause if he didn't put in the work, he, you know, he'll, he'll get what he gets. He'll get what he earns, you know? Um, but he's put in that work and he continues to produce. So he's going to keep getting whatever he's earning. 
Yeah, I love how you're honest with them, though. You're, um, and that helps, and that also helps you out when you're you have a brother playing for you. The other players see that you're tough on him as well. You almost have to be like that. Hey, coach, before you go, talk about what you're doing now in the pandemic. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Arizona, but I'm sure it's just like us out here in Georgia. Um, how are you still working with your players during this time? Uh, you know, I try to send them challenges or, you know, workouts that they can do on their own um, to stay on top of their game. There's a group of them that they meet up at, you know, the ASU mountain, and, you know, they sprint the ASU mountain um, in the mornings every day before, you know, they go back home and do their online schooling and stuff. Uh, yeah. Being in contact with them, keeping them involved, um, checking up on them, that kind of thing. And then, you know, just trying to do my diligence as a coach and making sure that, you know, we're prepared going into next season and that this program is, you know, worth what they're here for, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But you're staying, you're staying connected with them, which is great. And this is a different time. Now you got to rely on your players. It sounds like they're accountable because they're working on their game on their own, which is a sign of you have a good culture going. So that's congrats to you. Okay. Coach, thank you so much, man, for joining me, man. I, um, you got a really great program. I'm going to keep track. Hopefully I can see you in that, that national tournament at the end, man. I know that guy. Hey, that'd be great. You know, that's what we want. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you for sharing your system too, man. I really appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Take, thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a good one. All right, you too. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.